Podcast Strategies, Episode 59. A few things you may not know about me. Thanks for joining me again this week on the podcast. If you are new to listening to the podcast, you may not have gone back and listened to uh, the episode I did early on telling you my story, telling you a little bit about me. So I wanted to uh, take a chance to go in and tell you some things about me that you may not know. Some things that I didn't even talk about in that story episode early on. I, I can't remember which it is. It's episode seven or eight or something like that. So some of you may know if you've listened to the podcast or you've met me in person or heard me speak that my background is in music. You've heard me talk about how I have a master's degree in conducting, things like that. But you may not know that I'm also a drummer. And my drumming career started out, of course, as most people do way back in middle school in sixth grade when I signed up for a beginning band in middle school. And as most band directors do at that stage, they do basically like an aptitude test where they teach you how to play an instrument and they put you on it. And they see if you can make a sound or what quality of sound it is uh, to find out if you have natural talent or not. And they gave us scores. And I remember scoring very highly on several instruments. Uh, I scored highly on the tuba. I scored highly on the trumpet, I think. They were all brass instruments. And so, of course, the band director assigned me to tuba or something like that because I was a big guy even back then. And I was mortified. I'd always wanted to play drums. It was like my dream to play drums. And I... I guess asked my mother, <laughs> probably forced her, there were probably tears involved, to call the band director, Mr. Ray, and plead with him <laughs> to put me on drums. And of course, you know, to me it was a huge deal. I thought, you know, my life was ruined. There was I was never going to be able to play drums, things like that, not thinking that, oh, I could go learn and play drums if I wanted to on the side, whatever. Um, and it was probably, you know, a really funny conversation. He probably didn't care at all. and was like, sure, we'll put you on drums or whatever. But he moved me over to drums and that started, oh, 30 some years now of me playing the drums, playing in bands. And I actually ended up when I went to college majoring in percussion for a little while. But a lot of people, you know, they've heard me talk about I have a master's degree in conducting, specifically choral conducting. Well, what you may not know is that I didn't really start singing uh, seriously until ninth grade. You know, I sang in church choir, but I was fully committed to being a drummer, to being a percussionist. I was, you know, did pretty well at it, took lessons, and I was one of the better percussionists in the band in... Um, middle school and was certainly capable when I got to high school. And in the spring of 
of my freshman year of high school, I decided that I wanted to audition for the musical um, that, you know, of course, most high schools do in the spring uh, because I loved music theater. Um, I followed, listened to a lot of music theater. So I auditioned for the musical, which that year was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat by Andrew Lloyd Webber. And I remember going into the audition and singing. And of, of course, I had a pretty good voice. I'd, I'd sang in, um, like I said, in church choir and stuff like that. And I remember the choral um, director, who was also going to be music director for the musical, saying to me after hearing me with wide eyes, and I'm not saying this to sound egotistical or arrogant, but she said, why are you not in my chorus? <laughs> Basically, and I was like, whoa, I didn't realize that I was that capable a singer at that point because I certainly hadn't had any real training as a singer at that point. So that started actually my career in voice and singing. And I, of course, joined the choir the next year. I was in choir and band throughout the rest of high school. Uh, so then when I went on to college, I actually double majored. I had double concentrations in voice and percussion. And frankly, you know, I stopped the percussion major after one year, partly because uh, I didn't like counting rests. rests. If, you, uh, if you're a musician, you know that um, percussionists often in orchestra they they don't play a lot up until the 20th century, up until more contemporary composers. So we would have rests where we would count 60 some bars of rests and we'd just sit around and then we'd play four notes. So not only was it boring, but it was also nerve wracking because you had to get your four notes right and perfect and fit it in because you're playing this instrument that's really loud and cuts through the orchestra. So you have to place it the way that the conductor wants it. So I decided, you know, enough of this. I'd rather play drums for fun, play in bands and things like that, jazz and stuff. So that's that's when my percussion career sort of ended. I've gone on, you know, to do more things professionally as a drummer, um, but that was kind of where it stopped. Now, another funny thing about me and that you may not know, um, me playing drums, I spent four years in college playing drums at theme parks in the summer. I spent three years playing at Bush Gardens and one year playing at uh, King's Dominion in Richmond, Virginia, Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. I was in the Fest House Band. Yes, the Oompa Band, the Polka Band, uh, playing to people drinking beer and it was fantastic. I had so much fun, got to wear later hosen. Um, and then when I went to King's Dominion, I played in a Caribbean show. So I got to wear like a Hawaiian shirt basically all summer and play um, reggae and stuff like that. And that was amazing as well. After that, you know, I went on to bigger and better things. My summer jobs tended to be working at Circuit City selling electronics after that. So you may have also heard me talk before about... After that in music, I, I, of course, got a master's degree in conducting. Um, I started working for a couple of arts nonprofits at uh, the Kennedy Center and the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. And uh, had a blast. You know, there's nothing like conducting a full orchestra and huge choir 
on stage at the Kennedy Center, which is one of the great concert halls in this country, um, doing some amazing work at the National Cathedral, which is a beautiful building. Uh, there's nothing like that. But because of some life um, changes, uh, the birth of my daughter, which I've talked about before, I needed some more flexibility. So I, of course, started my recording studio. And the niche that maybe I haven't talked about as much that I started out in was pop acapella. So if you're familiar with the Pitch Perfect movies, if you're familiar with groups like Pentatonix, that was my job for about 10 years, uh, up until a few years ago. I worked with a lot of acapella groups, college, professional, high school, all over the country, all over the world. I got to see things like Abbey Road Studios because of my career working with acapella groups. And some of the things you may not know about that career, I worked with several great acapella groups. One was On the Rocks from Oregon, uh, University of Oregon. If you remember about, I guess it'd be seven or eight years ago now, there was a viral acapella cover of uh, Lady Gaga's Bad Romance done by a guy group in green shirts. That's on the rocks. Those are guys I worked with. Uh, I also worked with another group at Oregon, um, DeVisi. And DeVisi is the group that the Barden Bellas are based on and who inspired the book Pitch Perfect, which went on to become a movie franchise that has been very successful. Um, during my acapella career, I also got the chance to work on the NBC show, The Sing-Off. I worked on several iterations of it. Um, the season that Pentatonix was on, the season that Street Corner Symphony was on. Um, I also got to work on several different um, country versions of, not country as in country music, but international versions. I worked on, if I remember now, I worked on the French and the Dutch versions of the sing-off. This is, this is years ago. But so I had this whole other career before I got involved in podcasting, which is where I'm now. And I love it. Um, podcasting to me is amazing. And if you haven't heard me before, the reason I got into podcasting was to me, it's the form of new media that we need today. It's the chance where people can actually share stories. They can have long conversations. They can have nuanced discussions that really help people understand each other. And I think that's so important today when it's hard for someone to walk an inch in someone else's shoes, let alone a mile. So I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, if you don't know much about my business, I run Emerald City Productions. Uh, we currently have around 30 clients where we're producing shows on a monthly basis for them. Um, I specialize in helping people who have um, don't have enough time and, and they want to be finished recording their show and then hand it off to someone else to, to work their magic to make things sound better. And that's kind of how I got started in the podcast production world. I was listening to podcasts. They were changing my life. But I noticed with my engineering background that they just sounded terrible a lot of the time. And I started reaching out to people saying, I love your show, but your sound sucks. Please let me help you. And started doing it for free. And very quickly, 
that became my job. So now we not only help those clients on a monthly basis, doing all their shows, producing their shows, publishing their shows, helping them with their websites, their email marketing, their social media, graphic design, all that sort of stuff, copywriting. But I also help people launch new shows. I help people uh, with their marketing plans and their launch strategies, as well as all the technical setup and the 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 gear and how to use it and how to sound good. And we also go to new clients all the time and help them record their first few episodes to make sure they're um, they know how to do it and make sure that it comes out sounding great on the other side. So if you are a podcaster or um, you're interested in starting a podcast and, and you feel like I could help you, please reach out. You can contact me at danny at emeraldcitypro.com and I would be glad to help you, glad to make sure that you get your story, your message, your conversations out into the world so that you can help as many people as possible. Thanks for joining me this week. I want to say it again. If you enjoy this show, if you feel like there's someone out there that it could help, if you have a colleague, a friend, a family member, please share it with them. That does so much for helping this show get to new people and also helps other people get their stories, their messages, and their conversations out into the world as well. I will talk to you next week. What are you an expert at? If you have a podcast, chances are your show features your area of expertise. But how much do you really know about podcast production? My clients often thank me for making their shows sound great. But in my opinion, the main benefit I provide for all of my production clients is time. Time to do what they are experts at. Time to grow their businesses. Time to focus and not stress out trying to do the technical production work that isn't their area of expertise. If you have a podcast or want to start one and you're ready to save three hours or more each week to focus on the stuff you're an expert at, I'd love to do all of your editing, mixing, mastering, and show distribution for you so that you can focus on growing your community and business. You can find out more at emeraldcitypro.com services.